I use this expression, you know, Vermont too small to fail, because you're, you know, one degree of separation from everybody. And in the beginning, that's incredibly helpful. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. On today's episode, we sit down with Sasha Mayer and Christine Dodson, entrepreneurs, activists, and co-founders of Mamaba, one of our state's most compelling and disruptive startups. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber. And Dave Bradbury. Recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Christine and Sasha, hello. Hi. Hello. Thanks for, for coming up the hill. Yeah, we we're yeah, huffing it today. Yeah. From King Street. All the way. Well, exercise sometimes goes dormant when you're starting a company. Good point. Don't let it. Yep. Fight that. Walking. Right? Walking. It's a marathon, <laughs> not, not, you know, not, not a terminal sprint. Yeah, right. this is true. So I'm like a complete fangirl for Mamva. I got to say, I have like a crush on this company. Like people ask me like, what's like a really cool company in Vermont right now? It's like one of my first answers. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, are you working for a T-shirt or I something, didn't, Sam? What's going on here? We should have cool. brought you a T-shirt. <laughs> I, so, I was going to play it cool. All about the swag here. Didn't yeah. play it cool. So. Um, let's, let's jump in. So educate our listeners. Um, what's Mamava and what's wrong with a bathroom? Hmm. Good question. Um, Mamava is a company that Sasha and I started when we were actually uh, breastfeeding. Well, we had the idea after we had been breastfeeding and going back to work. And the whole concept came from the need um, that we had to find a space that wasn't a bathroom to be able to pump. Um, And in order to continue to breastfeed your baby when you're not with them, you have to pump. So (laughs) this idea um, was incubated for a while, and then we found a partner who could actually help us develop a literal space that's a freestanding, we call it a lactation suite, that could be placed anywhere from a public facility like an airport to a private business. Um, And it is a place that moms who choose to breastfeed um, in a place that's not in public, they could use it, but primarily we started the company so that uh, women could pump. And the reason you don't use the bathroom is you're making food, and that's kind of gross. That's a very simple Nothing answer said. that I can yeah. even I can understand. So Mamava uh, was was incubated in a way, right, as part of uh, this, this world-renowned design firm that, that you both were part of. Could you just talk a little bit about uh, the firm, how it happened, because I, I think it's really an interesting story. Yeah, and I think there's um, a third co-founder who isn't here, but who you have interview- interviewed before, who is Michael Jagger. He's a creative director of JDK Design and now a design shop called Solidarity of Unbridled Labor. And what's amazing about our story is that it was, you know, we're a little sister business to a successful design shop, and we were wanting to solve problems that were more mission-based, that could be solved through design, and we're able to use the expertise of the design shop uh, to create a brand to um, find the resources that could help us um, invest, prototype, um, create the original um, freestanding suite that we put in the Burlington Airport. And I think that's really unique, um, that we didn't have to be moonlighting, that we could actually create something within um, the design shop, and then when it gained enough traction, um, move it into its own business. And so what did that look like? What was the, the jump in? What made you say, okay, this is, this is a full-time gig? That's a good question. Um, we had the idea for Mama Va before there was as much cultural momentum around it. So we saw the need amongst our colleagues and our little sisters and friends, but it was actually the Affordable Care Act that set out a mandate under legislation that if you have more than 50 employees, you have to provide a room that isn't a restroom with a lock, with a seat, with power for a mom 
to um, use a breast pump and also the break time to do it. So the business case was really made around first the Affordable Care Act and since then legislation on the municipal level and statewide levels in some of the more progressive states. So you could have a great idea, but if you don't really have a business case, um, and that really came from the legislation and having to become a compliance issue for employers. So it was, it was more compliance than employers just saying, oh, shoot, uh, having power in a locked closet makes right. sense. I mean, was it just better awareness and inclusion or... There's a, there's a little bit of both. Um, we still have a, a good number of customers who just want to do the right thing for their employees. Um, but then sometimes we have to pull out the, the compliance <laughs> card if, if the conversation goes that way. Um, I was actually going to add on to what Sasha said, that separating the business from where we were incubated, I think there was a time that came to where we realized these are two completely different businesses. One is a service business and one is a product business. And we didn't have the manufacturing expertise in the design studio. So we knew we had to start um, forming relationships and partnerships with people who could, who could work with us on the core of what Mamava's business is about. And, you know, sales. I mean, there's a whole host of uh, jobs that people do at Mamavad that would never exist at the design studio. So it did become a little bit of a tension point because we needed to dedicate time and it was taking time away from what we were there and hired to do at the studio. So I, a great, uh, great point. And I was just really curious how you as individuals were able to sort of segregate your brain from you know, designing yeah. whatever you design elsewhere. With, and and this, this idea that you were so vested and, and passionate about, like, did you structure your day, nine to, nine to noon, I'm doing this, and then I'm doing mama in the afternoon? Because, you know, startups happen all the time. It's 24-7. Yeah, how so... Do you, how do you, how'd you manage right. that? And I think that's also uh, a reason why it was, it, was, it was unique for us in that when the client work came first, right? So at the same time that Michael and others were supportive of this idea... Uh, we were also willing to put on hold the idea when the shop, the design shop, needed our resources. So maybe something that could have turned in three to four years took six to eight. Right. right. right? We got to pay the bills. And we got to pay the bills, yeah. right? And that so we had that understanding. Sacrifice, yeah, in the scheme of things, because we had that infrastructure there and that support network. But I think. Um, for me, it was different because I actually just in February came full-time Mamava. So I was doing both. I How was did you decide which one went full-time or not? Was it a coin <clears throat> toss or uh, no, some I other astrological sign? It was an easy one. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit more of like the spiritual leader and <laughs> the risk taker. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. Evangelist. Probably. The yes, risk taker. The risk taker. But it really was. And um, then as we... Our scaling, we needed an operations person. So I'm I'm right brain, and Christine is is totally left brain, and that's very a lot of the power behind um, the organization. There are others now on our executive team that further complement that ecosystem. But so design is very iterative, and so is a startup. How many prototypes did you guys go through until you had the pod? We had a lot of paper prototypes, but the physical structure, just two. Nice. And yeah. the first one is very different from the one that you see now. Yeah. So what's, know. what was the big, big changes? Well, the first one had the dimensions that really looked more like a, por- a porta potty. Like it had the dimensions of a, of a, a porta, like a freestanding yeah. bathroom. So even if it was a functional space and actually quite, nice inside it signaled something that we didn't want to signal so the insight that our uh, design engineer had to have double benches and this womb-like structure that really telegraphed something really different and something very feminine i think uh when we saw that we we were oh yeah that's it and we knew the difference that's that's such a good point and i i've never you're right i've never looked at it and thought bathroom Ever. And that's even before I knew, you know, I think I saw the first one in the Burlington Airport and I was like, oh, cool, what's that? Was my first sort of question. Um, and another kind of big part of it, I think, so at VSET we have a, a, you know, locked room with no windows and 
a seat power. and power and locking door, all the all that good stuff. Um, but we do struggle with, you know, how do we make this like clearly accessible and you know signage and that kind of thing. So I think um, that's something that you guys have done really well is that it's it's very clear you know, how to use it, what it's for, why it's important. Um, can you guys just talk a little bit about, you know, what it's been like to integrate it into the workplace? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the design and the mission of the company, we sort of drive at three things. It's the the design for mom and that really s- specific functionality for getting the headspace for breastfeeding or pumping and all that entails, like it's food preparation. And then a sensitivity to the facilities where they're placed, right? You know, infrastructure is hard. Um, a lot of our customers do want to do the right thing, but they can't have downtime in an airport where people are bringing in power tools. They maybe don't have the budgets to build out a full room or dedicate that room. They might want a movable asset because they might not have a mom that's breastfeeding in uh, a year. Um, so it's the mom, the facilities, and the, and the third that's really more mission-oriented is culturally, we want it to, as I said, the intentional design, the feminine, the branding, the messaging, that's for the mom um, community, right? And the people who once were moms or the um, people who will be a mom in the future and kind of spreading the message that breastfeeding happens here. We celebrate it. There's a place for you. And so thinking about those three boxes we're trying to check as we develop the business, as we pursue the mission, they're all really important. Oh my God, it absolutely humanizes airport travel, okay, when you're with young kids and family. I mean, just I remember those years of air travel with our two boys and my wife just <laughs> it would have been an oasis. Right. <laughs> we would have paid anything. And that's what people describe it as. Yeah. Really? We get yeah. feedback all the time. So how long, what's the average install time? How long does it take? It takes about four hours and two people. Four hours, two, yeah. you wheel them in, plug them in, position Well, it, it. comes flat packed. So, oh, it does. Okay. yeah. So it's like, picture a big piece of Ikea furniture. It has, you don't need, it, the tools come with it. It's like an Allen wrench kind of thing. And it's uh, cam locks. I mean, you could use a drill, but it's not, yeah, it's pretty straightforward to assemble. So where are some of your customers today that aren't like the workplace? What, what other public venues mm-hmm. or, or transit hubs? Yeah, basically anywhere a mom travels or is. So when you think about that market, it's zoos, it's museums, it is private businesses, it's uh, warehouses, like Amazon warehouses. The NFL kind of blew me away, right? NFL, yep, stadiums. The Vikings were an early adopter. We're in every... Not in every franchise, but we are in every professional sport. So we have them in soccer, we have them in... um, don't have them in tennis yet, so yeah, I should take true. that back. Yeah. Come on, tennis, NBA, baseball, every um, football, at least one hockey, yeah. and 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 some multiples. We have a unit at SpaceX. We have fourteen units at Los Alamos National Laboratories. Yeah, right. Fourteen yeah. units. It's a forty-acre campus. It's a huge campus. Yeah. yeah, we like to say federal government is huge. Um, because so, of the, the law, <laughs> but also there's a need, you know, women in the military, uh, Department of Defense. So is, we're always curious how early customers come along. Mm-hmm. So you either have reference accounts or validation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know Gene uh, Richards in the Burlington Airport took a, a big leap of faith uh, with you early. But how did the next sales come along? Like, you know, was it was a government contracting through Los Alamos or just your own hustle and grit and PR? Like, where should the next entrepreneur look? Well, we ha- had uh, airports were a pain point for us as traveling moms, but we, in the back of our head, also knew that they provided value on two fronts. One, a lot of people get to, to see your product when you're in an airport. And one of our very first airports after Burlington was Milwaukee, where they did a great job. They put three in in a pretty small airport. And that's a terminating airport, so you're going in and out. You're not just passing through. So uh, we measure all of our inbounds and ask where they heard about us. And um, second to only Googling, it's we saw you in an airport. 
So that has been a really big part of our growth. Um, the other thing about airports is that they do represent a place where our high visibility for media advertising. So some of the early units, like in Burlington um, International Airport and in the New York City airports, we got sponsors to help underwrite the costs of the suite. So Seventh Generation was our partner for putting in four suites um, in the New York City airports. Um, and a brand called Zutano helped us in Burlington. So that was a way with limited resources that we could um, gain traction, really pretty much still in a prototyping stage for the business early on. What a neat example of, of other Vermont companies. I mean, Zutano is, is well known uh, for, for their clothing and certainly 7th Gen and, and trying to help others scale up. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome Yeah, they're pretty really awesome important partnerships. And I think, too, um, in terms of how the idea took off and attracted a lot of inbound calls was just the PR. So just with the launch of the airport, it was such a unique idea, and it just picked, it was like fire. It was crazy. That's and we when, didn't have any products. So right. That's like, when first to market is, <laughs> is, you know, is big because people are like, what is this thing? It's a story, you know. It's so wait a minute. You had a lot of PR without a product. We had a prototype. I know you have intention and purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had, we put, and I think that's also that key lever of like being friends with Gene Richards and on a handshake putting a suite into the Burlington Airport. And we literally got media play across the world, like Malaysia and Poland and didn't have a company there. I don't think there was a phone number. No. We and didn't. people, we maybe had a little website at that time, and people were starting to call us, and tell, and a lot of moms and dads were calling us and telling us their stories, and, you know, people asking us, can we build this product for you? And um, so it really started there. And it's interesting, thinking back on it, the idea of being an entrepreneur and starting a business um, we did not have experience writing business plans or even how to launch, no idea how to launch a business. And we just kept sharing this idea. We would, we had a, a keynote that we, any chance we got, we just talked about. You had that big cube, right? You had the big uh, box that yeah. you used to hold up at investor conferences. Pretty much, right? that was yeah. awesome. But this woman, well, I won't name names, but one person reacted like, well, what's the business? Where's the business? We're like, we don't really know that yet. But it, it's, I think we kind of did it backwards. It's like, let's just see if people respond to this. And, and putting it in the airport, it gained momentum that was undeniable, and it had to become a business. I think that's such a good story and lesson for a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, because Dave and I encounter so many folks that are, and it's not even nearly as innovative as Mamava, but they're like petrified to talk about their idea because they think someone's going to steal it. And we say, like, you, you know, you can't build a business if you don't have interest, you know? <laughs> so like, you're going to have to start talking about it somehow. You, one question I, I had coming into this is, uh, you know, you either build the brand and the story, and then you find a business that validates what you think and have tested, right? Which, and and then, or you start out with a business plan, and then trying to figure, out, okay, how do we bring this to market and, and make it sort of appealing, right? And it's not like you spend a few years sort of one high empathy with the problem from the design perspective and are figuring out the business plan or, or have. Which was tougher? Which took longer? Do you have any 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 rearview mirror perspective at this point? Branding and storytelling and cultural interpretation <laughs> of the idea into the world. The came education, easy, yeah, right? that's what we did for a living. Like that was that is with strategic brand design. Like even before the product, we had the mission, vision, logo, name, the whole thing. It was, yeah, and it was so important because once we had that we could attract people who knew what they were doing to the mission and cause. So mm -hmm. our amazing EVP of sales, like she, when we met her and she came into the business, I think we there was this awakening, oh, this is how sales are done. <laughs> There's math that goes into it that actually, you know, equates to, you know, yeah. the warm bodies you have that are, you know, working on sales and closing leads and, um, and many, many others. So having the, the big idea that people could be attracted to and um, 
that's that's really um, that was a super powerful for us. Mm-hmm. And figuring it out as you go, that I just I always reflect back on. There was a, a good amount of time where like, should this be a nonprofit? Oh, <laughs> should this be it's a very Vermont thing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, because for us, it really was about solving a problem and. We didn't even know how to get money. We're like, well, I guess if it's a nonprofit, we could get grants and <laughs> do so, so your business model today is you sell uh, the units, right? Um, do you still sell advertising on on the units, or is mm-hmm. there a, is there a service also component? I, I don't know, but yeah, the whole the product line is really a platform. So there's the physical spaces, but we also have an app that is. Um, is a locator app so it finds them in the market and then unlocks them so so you guys did a a demo for us we brought our uh, mid entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. class to your office this winter which was so cool and they were absolutely so excited about it Um, but you demoed the app and that was the most powerful like I was already like these are super cool you know they're very visible blah, blah blah until I saw the app and how you find it and unlock it I was like it was like mind blown it really was. And and that hadn't come into the business until pretty recently, right? Well, the app was something very early because we wanted to show scale for the mission. So we developed an app that could find our very few units. I mean, there might have been 10 or 15 units in the world when we did the app, but we added lactation rooms that we vetted. So we had an yours. intern come in. It wasn't so it was just crowdsourced, too. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then we have slowly continued to add to it. It has both our app. Uh, I mean, our units plus then crowdsourced units, and um, we're actually redoing the app again to sort of streamline the user interface and um, help us flow content and and, um, some sponsorship uh, um, features. So So it's just sort of grown. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way of commerce, too. We do it just in co-working. We're like, we hope you choose us, but if not, here are the other six awesome places. Just do it. Right. Right. Let's not. It, it's not about we got to have it all sort of thing and, right. and build a. I'm going to use the word ecosystem. Sorry, uh, but just build some some density and vibrancy. And the mission has never been about selling pods. It doesn't say that anywhere. It says um, enabling moms to uh, breastfeed as long as they choose and where. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's been a really cool part, and it's definitely you know it speaks a lot to like you said your mission and your brand that. You know, you guys have said before to me, like, we hope that, you know, these new offices and new buildings and new infrastructure build this into it. We don't want to have to give them pods, which I think is, you know, it's so authentic and it makes me and I think your customer appreciated even more that it's it's making a better future no matter how we get there. And we've developed a product in response to that. So if you do have a room, now we have a really beautiful seating solution for that room. So you're not trying to make a decision around, I need screens, and I need a plug, and I need a table, and I need chairs. Oh, you can buy our product. Easy, right? mm-hmm. I, uh, I remember when you all visited here early on in, the, in your fundraising process. Like The thing that I'll probably live to regret here, I hope I live to regret, is... I couldn't get over not having an app at the outset. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't know how you were going to control access or stopping weird dudes from jumping in and taking naps. And <laughs> I just didn't. I, mean, I that's just my rigidity, I guess. I don't. But good on you. I think it's fantastic to to see things uh, scaling. Um, what was the biggest single hurdle that that you can think of, maybe in the last year? Biggest single. I mean, I think uh, I think scaling really and hiring. So um, hiring people yeah. and sort of organizing. Was it more of what your your roles were and 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 like was it loosening the grip, or was it just no. finding the right players? No, we for were desperate roles? to loosen the grip. I think it's more <laughs> just the process of hiring. So we've we've found some amazing people, and I think that's part of like the great thing about being a mission-driven company is people are attracted to it and so we have had no problem I think finding a, a really quality pool of people it's just the process it's like all right the interviewing and the onboarding and the getting them up to speed and it's like oh yeah we need a vacation forward. policy right <laughs> or, yeah 
you know, high class problems. Right. So having that infrastructure, yeah, putting that in place and the demands then that each employee brings to um, the organization and the needs that they have. And really, um, Sasha early on set some really amazing things in play as far as company culture goes. But now we're in a place where as we grow, we don't want to take things away and we want to make sure that we're able to maintain and and make better the culture that's been created there. So each new person you bring on, that's more challenging. So, and I, I think for a lot of things I've been thinking about is you know we grew up in a very strong culture. It was actually pretty male dominated. We thrived there, and um, understood our own um, borders. <laughs> and now we're at a whole new culture and needing to develop that. And we bring in a lot of. What we learned. I mean, baggage sounds bad, but it's like, well, it worked this way. And Prior you know, for knowledge. 20 years, we had yes. a different, we had an amazing mentor in Michael who uh, set the tone. And we've inverted almost the gender, right? So actually, the design shop was primarily male. And um, we are very much female dominated. So sometimes there are dynamics that Christine and I just look at as like, this is. This is different. You can see that unexpected. coming. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that is, I think that's, and I think also for me, um, when you're working in service to clients, th- that rhythm and that pace, and you, you just understand how to deliver on that. But when you're working in service to your own thing, what is what is the the pace? What's the cadence? I don't know. I mean, because we're cl- setting the deadlines. Because we're setting yeah. them, yeah. and um, that is really different. And your for me. your users aren't your customers, mm-hmm. which is a big shift. I mean, you're you were coming from an industry where you're used to getting feedback from the person who's paying you for this service. That's a really good point. Yeah. So we sell our products to facilities and maybe HR and, and customer care people, but moms use the units and we get the feedback from the moms. And what's great about that is in fact, we, the moms completely um, are, you know, leaning into the idea, we cut and paste endorsements from them from Facebook and and um, Instagram images, and we put them in sales decks, and they're doing so much to you know build momentum around the mission. But you are then trying to keep two um, constituencies happy, right? We have to let, be cultivating the moms, and then we have to be selling to this whole other audience and in multiple, multiple channels. So selling in education is very different from selling into healthcare, from selling into stadiums, from selling into its complex, for sure. Facilities aren't facilities everywhere? (laughs) There's some some shared stuff, but definitely a budget for the NFL team and the pace of what they can turn is way different. A budget for the NFL team? Come on. (laughs) There is none, right? But for a a hospital Hospital, or for a primary school. Right. education, yeah. Um, Uh, Go Whoa, ahead. sorry. Sam. No, that's quite all right. Can I ask you the F, F word here we're going to talk mm-hmm. about? Um, anything you can point to as a, as a failure that really either just shook you to the core individually around this business effort or, or the business that you clearly have overcome? It's hard to say failure because I think we learned so much since this happened, but... Um, we went a little blindly into a relationship with an app developer that I think we wouldn't do now. Get in line. Who I know, hasn't? I right? know. But given that where the role the app plays in our business now is really equal to the physical product, if not more important from a future valuation perspective, but the idea that we had no one who was technologically (laughs) um, capable, you know, I certainly wasn't, and we just didn't have the right people at the table, basically, and we made a decision that, um, you know, unfortunately wasn't a high-cost decision, but it was a time-cost decision that, um, you know, I do regret. I wish we had done a little more due diligence. I wish we had brought in someone maybe to manage the project who had more experience um, than we had at that time. We're doing it again now, and it is night and day. So we learned a lot. Yeah, it's hard to know the right questions to ask when you're not (laughs) an expert in it. Yeah. Um, So one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys, 
Um, and you touched on it a little bit about sort of the timing of Mama Ba, but can you talk to us a little bit about your how you see your role in activism, or as you call it, lactivism, which I love? Yeah, that's a good question. And we luckily have such good mentors um, in town with Ben and Jerry's and um, Seven Generation because this year, finally, on paper, we put um, advocacy as one of our key features. There's only four of them. And um, put someone more dedicated around advocacy. And um, we're learning about that. I think it's really um, important. But it's uh, staying abreast of legislation, making sure the people who are um, writing compliance legislation or uh, standards like the American... Um, architectural types of groups. Um, we spent a couple days in DC last month and met with the capo the architect of the Capitol. We met with our legislators' offices and, and just so they know we exist. They know that we are an easy solve that um, isn't a burden for businesses as, as much as sometimes, you know, more policy, more legislation, more compliance issues is a drag for businesses. And we want to be just the opposite. It's a benefit the way I look at it. Yeah. It's about retaining happy, healthy employees and, um, making sure people know that we're out there. But I mean, before we went to DC, we actually, um, uh, Mama was voted small business of the year. So, yeah, yeah, we're Congrats. really excited about that. And before we went to D.C., we actually talked to Ben Cohen because we we're like, maybe this is a time for lactivism. Um, in the end, we kind of played it straight. And we are really proud because we, we want to acknowledge that this is a, a company that can only kind of happen from Vermont and that the SBA has been really helpful to us and organizations like yours and the community as a whole. So, but we do talk to people like that. And um, our, our Chris Miller, who's at um, Ben and Jerry's and he was at Seventh Generation, his whole role is around advocacy. So he's somebody, for instance, we've tapped into. He used to also work for Bernie and Greenpeace. And, um, but we take that seriously, and we're, but we are also still figuring it out. Yeah, because it has to still be approachable. And, you, you know, there's a, I think there is, a point where it can turn people off if it, you kind of approach it in the wrong way or, or you're too pushy with it. Or, or, and not self-serving. Right. I mean, that's the challenge, too. It's like, well, you're a company that sells lactation suites, of course. You know, So it's really just aligning with the right um, causes and uh, groups that are doing good work around um, making breastfeeding a choice for all women. And I think the branding super deliberate. We call our logo the Happy Breasts logo. Not about hiding breastfeeding. It's about celebrating it. We, you know, breasts are are amazing, and babies are amazing. Why don't we, you know, talk about all their the myriad of fun and functional things that they do? <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so interested in founders and and their dynamics, and uh, the only other pair, Sam, we've interviewed. We're twins. Twins, yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, we had to break out the extra mics today. We are not twins. No, but um, I think it says a lot about your partnership here. Yeah, and that was the, the New England Circus Academy down in uh, Brattleboro. Um, why does it work? For, I mean, had you not worked prior in the design firm, do you think you could have come together here? Like, you said left brain, right brain earlier, but... Um, is that the only reason it works? You're 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 architected differently, or we totally are. And I I had a moment with my team. So as from coming from the brand strategy side, sort of marketing is my side of the shop now, and operations is more Christine. And um, we had a meeting where our team wanted to manage a project a certain way. And in the back of my head, I was hearing, like, what holes are Christine going to poke into, into this as we pitched how we wanted to handle it? And it made us better. It made me better knowing Christine and, in general, that counterbalance where I'm like, why not? And she's like, but why? And, and I think that's, that's very much in the back of my, of my head when we're doing projects and sort of... Um, that's just one example, but that's that's a bit of the dynamic. And yeah. I think the I think our um, our people 
they feel that and they also like you know when they when they it's need a the good moral. parent <laughs> it's like who's gonna be the bad parent <laughs> no but i also think like sasha's crazy so i'm gonna go to christine on this one or christine's <laughs> gonna say no so i'm gonna go to sasha on this one yeah. and i think it's okay yeah I it's do. sort I, of like a game of thrones environment in, you know, like yeah, that, right yeah. okay no not at all you know i agree with sasha and i think the things that she pushes me on really come down to okay, am I being too rigid here? What if I just, what if, you know, the idea of what if, because that's, she's thinking outside the box and I'm sometimes a little too focused on what's right in front of me. So it's a good, I think it's a really good partnership. And I think the fact that we had worked together is what made it possible. Cause I don't know if I didn't know her style, I might not have been as comfortable going into a partnership like this. And that started really early because I think I recognized in the design studio, I needed an ally with that sort of uh, sort of management and operational sense to give my freewheeling concept credibility. And so that was maybe actually a little bit strategic. It's a little be, bit Game of Thrones. Yeah. I, you know, I threw that out there in a limb, but I'm starting to see some yeah. intention here. And well, I love, I, I always go back to this too, is that early on, so I was just like, no, but companies with partners, they're like just better. There's, there's more to talk about in your story, like co-founders versus a founder. Well, that was my follow-up so, question. Is, like, I could is, do that story. Um, you, sure. are, you are so much more likely to succeed with a, a founding team of two or three people. Okay, the, the outliers of the singles or the dealer five, dealer.com five. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes the entrepreneur's first sale uh, is, is to a co-founder to jump in and say, give it up, let's go for it. So I just kind of fun to explore that. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Totally. Um, so I just want to go back to the, to the brand for a second here. I mean, obviously, like you guys have said, it's your, your strongest area and how you started the business. What mistakes do you see startups making or people that don't have that background of branding? What what do, could you kind of tell these folks that are starting out that, you know, the ones that you guys see and you go, oof, yikes? I think differentiation is a big one. I think it's easy if you don't think like a brand strategist to fall into the trap of, oh, this feels familiar, this is comfortable. Um, and I think even down to our logo that was... Uh, idea, you know, that we were pushed on from the designers who worked on it, Um, just like be, we always, I mean, I think Sasha was driving that at the time, was like optimistic. It has to be optimistic. This is about breastfeeding. It's okay to have them look like breasts. That was intentional. Um, And I think, you know, we still have customers who are like, yeah, I don't really want that on the front of, Mm. (laughs) but we have pretty strict branding guidelines that don't allow them to take it off because it's what it's all about. So have you guys said no to a sale because of that before, or have you been able to talk them into it? We conceded early on when we had less leverage, but now we don't. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I think also not getting hung up you know, a brand is an idea. It's not a logo. It's not even a name. People, you know, often ask us about our name, which is this idea of mama and va in Spanish for mama go. But it was also available, trademarkable. We had the URL. And then we imbue meaning to it, right? So um, a brand is not a name or a logo. It's like the complete 360 idea behind it and all the touch points behind it. And I think that's important for people to recognize. Totally. And I think with branding, it's easy to to lock into an idea and stick with it because it works. And I think successful brands are changing over time with culture, with it's like a symbiotic relationship with the viewers or audience or users or whoever you're. Yeah, they seem like it times out a little bit. And, you you know, if you're 10 years or plus along the way and you haven't freshened or done something, you almost seem like yesterday's news. Exactly. Um, I mean, you're replacing your iPhone every one or two years. Why wouldn't you replace your whatever it might be? And right. I, I think that's um, that's something we got to get better at, Sam. Yeah. yeah, we're working on it. We're working on mm-hmm. it. Um, how'd you rate the innovation system here in Vermont, right? I mean, we touched upon a couple uh, early sponsors, early uh, brands that, that, you know, 7th Gen and, and Zutano. Um, you've raised local capital, too. You found some cool people. I mean, was it, is it better than it was? Is it, you know, how, we, how do you think we're doing 
overall? I mean, I think it's amazing. I, I, I use this expression, you know, Vermont too small to fail, because you're you know one degree of separation from from everybody. And in the beginning, that's incredibly helpful, right? We could call the airport, and as I said, on a handshake, can we try this prototype of something that's never been invented before in your international airport? Sure, you know. Um, as we scale, it gets a little harder to do business. But uh, um, in terms of incubation and the, the network here, and even when we found our first manufacturer, and our current manufacturer actually still, um, through VMEC, Vermont um, Manufacturing Extension, you know, and even that resource and um, getting an infusion of um, a win in the pitch competition, like that. Yeah, you guys crushed it. You <laughs> made her pitch competition. We're, we're thinking about doing another... We can be female judges. founder Ooh. company oh, pitch because um, it's been 18 months and I yeah. feel like it's time and there's there's so many yeah. Yeah. worthy yeah. like I mean the, the the danger the hesitation is oh my gosh how do you project. choose yeah. <laughs> no projects are fun it's, yeah. it's more of not uh, sometimes when you have a contest you pick a winner mm-hmm. and that means by default there's a lot of quote losers mm. so we have to make sure that that's not the case, mm-hmm. right, and and through sort of the engagement pre, during, and post event to to make it a success, and mm-hmm. at least that's sort of the model off of what Sam started with the female founder series mm-hmm. Hotel Vermont. That's so great. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, cool. Spoiler: yeah, I think the Love infrastructure it. is amazing now, and I don't know if it's because we're more tapped in or it has it changed over the years, but it is there. I mean, between the universities, between the colleges, between what you guys do, the um, Fresh tracks. Yeah, I mean, there's. Yep. I feel like that there's a lot going on, and there's always connections to be made and people to support an idea. And I do want to just take a second to thank both of you for the time that you've given back. Um, you, you know, I feel like I go to so many sort of panels and talk to so many folks that say that you've been helpful to them, which is awesome because you're still in it. You know, you're still working on it every day. But um, the fact that you find time to help others is is amazing. Um, so what sort of is your go-to piece of advice for these you know, young entrepreneurs or folks that are just starting out or maybe thinking about starting out? Is there anything that comes to mind that um, you know, is your, you need to do this to succeed? Yeah, I think share the idea. Yeah. Give the idea mm-hmm. oxygen. Yeah. And you'll get people who will advise you along the way, in, in, invest spiritually, even if it's not financially. I think that is that would be a big one. Mm-hmm. Right. And part of that is don't do it alone. I think this idea of co-founders or a, kind of a steering team in your startup, even early on, is really important because there's it's really hard to get out of your head when you're the only one thinking about it and when you have people to exchange ideas with and bring different talents and uh, backgrounds to the conversation. It's, it, it's super helpful. And we didn't handpick our team. It just ended up that the four of us, we did the Myers-Briggs are all different <laughs> and all appropriate for the roles we're in. Yeah. And you recently uh, moved to a new office space. Mm-hmm. Is that true? You mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you're in Karma for, since inception, yep. right? Yeah. Karma yep. Warehouse, yep. which is great. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Is the new, where is the new place? And how many people are working for you now? We don't 20 have 20 people. Wow. 21, 21 people. And we're hiring a 22nd. 22 people. Mm-hmm. And actually, four of those people are remote um, in Indiana, Minnesota, um, Arizona, and California. California. Great. So we are growing and employing people here and elsewhere. Um, That's the way to do it. Yeah. In 2018. So we moved to Battery, uh, it's 180 Battery, so it's that building that's got a great lake view, and we're on the second floor, it's that Esperanza's on the bottom. Oh, yeah. And we were able yeah. to take over basically the showroom for Red Thread, which is a distributor of Steelcase. And we have a partnership with Steelcase where we developed um, the Mama Va Mini, and so well, that's one of those other like magical connections. At the same time that we were outgrowing our space at the Karma Birdhouse, we found out that they were going to close down um, the showroom, and we said, "What's going on? 
with that space and just were able to um, just plug right in. And it's, you know, design. Entrepreneurship's about timing. It is. It is. We were really lucky. That's a very short move, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We rolled rolled, rolled the the Xerox machine down back. No, you didn't. I love it. Um, With the steel case piece, did you feel at that point in time your sort of brand and your... Your, your, your mission was solid enough to, to sort of lob in with a, a, a big, huge global company? Like, sometimes the risk is you sort of get suffocated. Yeah, and- that one scared me a lot. Um, and this is, again, uh, yin-yang here. I think Sasha's like, let's just go. Let's just do it. Let's, you know, they seem really nice. They seem like they're about this mission. We're not trying to take the idea. And I'm like, do we have IP? Do we have contracts? You know, what? how are we going to protect ourselves? Because you're right. They're a huge company, and we're this little tiny company. But um, it has been fantastic. They are a great partner, and I think we've learned a lot from their systems and processes and um, and their things that we wouldn't want to do because at, at scale, they're just a slow-moving machine. But um, it's, yeah, I think it was a risk um, that was well worth it and has started to pay off for both organizations. And I mean, it was also strategic. If anybody was going to enter the space with credibility, it was going to be the largest furniture maker, so we might as well be friends with them. Yeah, seriously, right? Yeah. Right. I just have one more quick question. Any uh, Vermont companies that you're super excited about or think are really cool? They don't have to be new ones, I guess. I mean, we did the... Uh, founders thing with Skeeta. I mean, I'm a huge fan and the way that she's She's grown that business and, um, and I literally like not even Vermont. I see them everywhere. Isn't it cool? What's the current say? You see Skeeta in the wild. Yeah, it is. So that's pretty awesome for, you know, a world that has a lot of hats out there to come up with a brand and a product that can get that much traction. Totally. Yeah. And she's so awesome. Yeah, she's amazing, too. I'm, I'm really um, inspired by Urban Moonshine as well, because it's like creating new space, and it's this combination of, you know, kind of food and nutri- nutritionals, and I think it feels so Vermonty and other women-owned company. And yeah, again, another founder who I think is just so cool and so willing to share her story and generous with her time. And it really is a poster child of Vermont and, and how you can succeed. And she just she just sold to traditional medicinals, which is really exciting. <gasps> Get yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That wow. Is that out? Yeah, that's out. Oh, that's out. That that's is exciting. Huge. I also love, on that case, I love the name. You know, as a brand yeah. person, yeah. Ooh, it's a good oh, name. Urban oh, Urban yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jovial's a good name, too. You remember that, yeah. right? right? I remember that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty nifty. Dave, did you want to do the honors for our, our last question here? The honors. Uh, hopefully you prepared for this because it's in every single podcast we've done, which is, I think we're up to like 25 or so. Not maybe? with John Rapogles. We didn't? We missed that one? I think so. What? Well, I was definitely, I was having a man crush on that guy, so I was, I was not <laughs> myself that day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he and I were in the same Alberts, so it was pretty. Twinsies. I was like, wow. <laughs> if you could change one thing about Vermont today, magic wand, what would it be? Tasha. I always say this, um, diversity. Yes. We serve a really diverse uh, universe of women, mostly women, <laughs> and um it's really hard to reflect that back in our brand, and we don't have people that are in-house, and it's that, that's, a, that's a big one. And just in general, <clears throat> Burlington broader, just culturally, just more interesting place um, with more diversity. How about Amen. you, Christine? Uh, I have the small answer and the big answer. Diversity is probably my big answer. Is That's huge. Like For me, that's I miss most about living. I lived in Boston for a while in New York City, and that is a big issue I think here um but I think the smaller answer is like the location and like distance from things like stadiums and you know all the channels that we sell into we don't have representation of those places in Vermont so what is it like to be in a you know 50-story building in a city and have to figure out lactation accommodation so we have to travel everywhere 
to be able to um, really be in the environment that we're selling into, which is very challenging as a small business trying to control expenses. expenses. Yeah. And have to have, but to I have change team. that, really, because I love Vermont in the distance. That's what makes it special. So it's almost like having the answer. imagination for our staff who are based in Burlington right. to think, well, you know that high-rise actually could use three on every floor, yeah. and that convention center has these challenges, and it's hard to almost be able to apply the business if you're not thinking about it or surrounded by it. Have to be in it. that environment. Mm -hmm. Well, it made me think of, you know, we, we've had Start Here and, and all the sort of startup programs for a while, and very quietly last year we, we began something called Scale Here. And, you know, before the it used to be more about access to early-stage capital, how we find it, it's come so, so far, we're never going to get to the holy land, right? It'll always be difficult, but we've begun with some other key partners, principally our 10 college partners and their alumni, is to say, let's bring the buy side closer. Mm -hmm. Large enterprise that's for-profit, non-profit government to flow through our community. That's a Michael Jagger word, right? Flow. Uh, <laughs> and threaten to buy from you, partner with you, or, or just share their network and advice. And the results to date have been astounding. So that, again, the customers for most of Vermont firms are well beyond our state's uh, borders. So mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm hopeful we'll begin to see real leverage and, uh, and a different form of network effect occur on the revenue side because a dollar revenue is much more valuable than a dollar capital mm -hmm. because you're with a customer. So that's my plug for uh, scale here. Yes. Coming to theaters near you in 2019. Sweet. I love it. My my most recent podcast, this is when we started the year, we had a, a session. I said, that my, this is the year of scale, you know, and yes. trying to figure that out. And I've been listening to Masters of Scale podcast, which I think is just, it is helpful and it's big, especially if you're interested in company culture. So what can, what are we doing today that's going to be able to scale and not be taken away and uh, undermine, you know, what, how the culture grows? So it's something that we're thinking a lot about. Oh, it is. And fortunately, you had the, you know, you, you came from a strong culture uh, in the design firm mm -hmm. and, and translated it or made it your own. And you know, you had one or two early years where the team was able to form and grow that, you know, had you thrown kerosene on that on day two, who would have known? I mean, it's tough to control because right. you would have under pressure to hire and yeah. fill and build. Yeah. And and uh, I'm confident you won't screw it up. So I, I don't. We are too. You can quote him on that. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> It'll be on the website. Right. Dave Bradbury. Well, thank you, Mom of uh, Thanks, guys. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VSET, that's V-C-E-T. Thanks for listening, and let's get back to lactivism. Mm -hmm.